This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the Channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hey, everybody. As Lee said, I'm Larry Walsh, and welcome to Changing Channels. As everyone here knows, when we're at Changing Channels, we're talking about what else? Channels. Uh, and channels are nothing more than networks of partners, and partners are what we consider the recognizable and well-defined group of companies you know, known as resellers, service providers, integrators, and a few others like that. I mean, basically, they are the they are the companies that sit downstream from the manufacturers or the software publishers that sell and implement the technologies that you know that that the vendors build. Um, but they're not the only ones in the channel, and the vendor community is increasingly influenced by this new class of partner, which, well, for the lack of a better way of describing them, influence that influence the end customer, and they're called influencers. Now. Influencers or non-transacting partners uh, are really beginning to peak interest because they are having a real impact on the way the customers think, select, and ultimately use different technologies. Um, and a company that caught my attention on this because uh, you know that's doing some really interesting things around engaging with and enabling influencers is Zebra Technologies. Uh, and Zebra, like other vendors, are really trying to solve this puzzle of how to engage with influencers to better their go-to-market uh, productivity. So I could sit here and tell you the story of Zebra uh, secondhand, but instead I decided to bring on somebody who could tell the story firsthand. And that, of course, is our old friend Bill Kate, the VP of Marketing and Channels at Zebra Technologies. Bill, welcome to Changing Channels. Larry, thanks for having me on. So, Bill, before we get started, you know, I, I've known Zebra for a long time, uh, and you know, it's a it's a well known company in your space. But why don't you, for the benefit of those who haven't, tell us just a little bit about Zebra? Yeah, sure, Larry. Actually, uh, 2020 was our 50 year anniversary, uh, and I guess to to put it in a nutshell, our technologies are designed to empower workers on the front line of business, allowing them to sense data. Uh, analyze that data and act on that information. That's fantastic. And you've been evolving your Partner Connect program. And, you know, you and I were talking a few weeks ago about some changes you made around uh, around enabling integrators to better interact with you. But a part of that, though, is, you know, engaging with influencers. Mm -hmm. How is Zebra defining influencers and what are you doing with them to contribute to your channel program? Uh, well, Larry, they're a very important part of the ecosystem. We have around 15,000 partners overall, and about 30% of them are classified as what we call uh, complementary partners. And under that complementary partner umbrella are our ISVs, of course, our independent software vendors, of which there are around 4,000, very important. But I think you're referring to what we call the alliance partners, which we classify in four different uh, ways. They're uh, independent hardware vendors. They are consultants, they are technology partners, and they are SIs. Uh, and uh, one of the, the, you know, the thing that really ties them all together is they are non-transacting relationships with us. Yeah. So what, what, what is the idea behind this, though? Is, that, is this something that you've discovered that was already existing in place and you decided to, to try to tap into the, you know, what they're doing for you? Or is this something you deliberately decided to cultivate and develop independently of what you've already been doing? 
Well, I mean, the answer is both. I mean, uh, influence partners have always been there. They've always played an important role uh, in our go-to-market strategy. But in working with them, there's two things that drove us to launch a new program uh, specifically designed for alliance partners. One is customers. You know, customers are demanding more and more specialized solutions. And because of that, they're relying more and more on consultants and influence partners. And so they become very important to the customer. And the other thing is, is that we never made it very easy for our influence partners to work with us. We, we had built our program, program around the typical reseller channel, right? And Alliance Partners are different. So we launched this new program to meet the needs of those uh, types of business models. So how are you identifying and engaging with them? It's, you know, it's because I will tell you is that it, it, it it's coming up more frequently is what is an influencer? Um, what do they do? But what are we supposed to do with them? So how are you identifying and engaging with your influencers or your non-transacting partners? Well, you know, it, it also comes back to the customer. I mean, it is the customer that helps us identify who these relationships are based on uh, who they're relying on to help influence them. I, uh, there was a study I recently read that said that a business buyer relies on as many as five different influencers to help them make a final decision. So we're not looking at identifying uh, influence partners uh, just generically. We're doing it based on specifics of where the industry is going and where our, our customers are going. So uh, yeah, it, we work very closely with our customers to help identify which kind of influencers that they rely on. Yeah. You know, it sounds like when we talk about influencers, it sounds a lot like uh, advisors, as you're describing it, because mm -hmm. they are, they're giving guidance and direction to your mutual customers or the, whoever's in that mutual relationship. But when we talk about the traditional channel of resellers and integrators and whatnot, the, the, the companies that, that actually touch product and actually conduct sales with and on your behalf, we've called them trusted advisors or mm -hmm. influencers on the presumption that the customer will listen to what they say. So how are these influencers changed or how are they different from what we would traditionally call a trusted advisor? Well, I think the biggest thing is they're agnostic. You know, if you ask every one of them, their first response will be, you know, tell me more about your solution and your product, but don't count on me to say, hey, I'm here representing Zebra. Um, mm. You can uh, work with them very closely to make them confident and comfortable to recommend you, but uh, generally they're very agnostic. So what we try to do because of that is, first of all, you recognize that uh, and respect that. And uh, the best thing we can do is do everything we can to enable them to really understand our products, how they fit in with their business practice. And I think an important point on that is, is most influencers tend to have a very specific focus in the marketplace. It might be healthcare, it might be transportation and logistics. So approaching them with that uh, shared goal in mind on shared industries and solutions and helping them understand how Zebra will make their job easier in their consulting service and allow them to reach a conclusion more quickly with their customers and easily deploy that solution if they're in the deployment part of the business. 
you know, the goal is just to make it easier for them to make a really good recommendation. Well, okay. That's, that sounds well and good. And we spend a lot of time talking about how to enable partners. And that often comes down to some level of sales or technical training. Uh, And really, if you come right down to it, you know, channel programs are replete with requirements for certifications and we can get into, we could spend an entire couple of episodes talking about the purpose and value of certifications, but you're talking about influencing influencers. That's right. So is how do you influence or translate influencing an influencer into enabling an influencer to be a better advocate for you? Well, uh, the first thing, Larry, is to make sure that you're aligned, right? I mean, you don't want to approach a consultant turned influencer with technologies uh, and software and services that don't meet what they're trying to go build. Uh, But you have to provide not certifications. You're not testing them out. Um, You're trying to enable them with things that will make them more effective. Uh, And so what we did is in the new Alliance program, it wasn't about profitability. It wasn't about resale volumes. It wasn't about required training. It was about other things. It was about getting them access to uh, gated content, access to IP, training that we bring to them and help them uh, be more effective in their consulting engagements. And the most important thing, Larry, uh, is working with them on a joint go-to-market strategy because it's about enabling them, but it's also about having a shared target in the marketplace or which part of the service of service available marketplace do we both want to go after together and uh, jointly put that plan together. Those are the things that are most important to this partner set. Yeah. yeah I, I really like that, that notion of that joint business planning, mm-hmm. but when you're looking at this, you're two parallel companies now let's just take you and and an influencer say it's a consulting firm you're two parallel companies and you say you're going to do a joint a joint business plan joint go to market why why do why do they need you for that and why do you need them what is the common thread that that compels you to come together to the point of where you formalize a process like that well i hate to be so uh so direct in this but it's we, uh, there's reciprocity in these relationships. For instance, retail, uh, the retail marketplace is a very strong market presence for Zebra, um, as is healthcare. Uh, And we have a great set of relationships with many large customers in some of those markets, right? Um, Sitting down with a consultant that also is trying to deliver solutions into those same set of customers there's an overlap opportunity. And you know, ultimately this will benefit the end users because we're coming with a more comprehensive set of solutions, but we both have something that is important to the other and, and vice versa. The Alliance partners in this go-to-market planning process, the Alliance partners have relationships at levels within those accounts perhaps that we haven't nurtured or even accounts within that industry that we would like to uh, uh, engage with. So it's really a reciprocity uh, situation, Larry. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned this is that, you know, you made the distinction between your hardware and your integrator or your consulting uh, uh, influencers versus your ISVs. Why do you make the distinction between them? 
I'm sorry, between what, Larry? Between your your independent software vendors and your consulting and your other non-transacting partners and your alliances, why make the distinction between them? Well, um, sometimes they're both, right? In many yeah. cases, our, our influence and alliance partners also develop and many times custom develop, which is very important. But we also have a set of partners that we call pure ISVs. They're developing an application solution into a particular marketplace, and that's what they do. They design and develop, and then they'll work with us or other partners to deploy that solution. So it, there's an overlap, just like in any program. You know, it's very dangerous to start to categorize partners into a box, into a bucket. So we have alliance partners that are in both. We have alliance partners that also resell in parts of their business, and we have alliance partners that are also ISVs. Understanding that in a multi-dimensional profile of that partner is so important. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm going to tell a quick story. Is that a couple of years ago, a company because I have a, a little bit of a following on social media, um, they decided that they wanted to use me as an ambassador. In other words, try to turn me into an influencer. Fine. What did they want me to do? Tweet. So great, go to an event, do some tweets, throw some hashtags out, everybody's happy. I have no idea whether that achieved any result. And that's a common problem that we come up against when we're talking about influencers is how do you know it's working? What is it that, what is it that you're doing or what's Zebra doing to actually see that this is effective in producing a desired outcome? Great question. I wrestled this with this for years. In the early parts of my career, Larry, I thought programs like influence registration was the answer, right? Which is where, similar to a deal registration, you actually ask yeah. the influence partner, register this deal and we'll reward you with a percentage of the net value of the win. Well, most influence partners don't care or want anything to do with that. Uh, some do. We still have programs like that. Well, what we really do is try not to scorch the earth with thousands of alliance partners. It's really about being selective about those that are, are important to us and our customers. So we try to be selective in which alliance partners that we work with in the program. And we measure that success through the pipeline, uh, through big wins, because most of these alliance relationships are in what we call our large deal stratification category. We've got a large tier, mid tier, and kind of a run rate business. The alliance partners tend to play in the large tier space. We track that through big wins, uh, through joint development. Sometimes we're developing joint solutions together uh, and success stories. So it very, it's very difficult to track this purely on a uh, uh, salesforce.com win report, right? You got, it's, there's some hard work in tracking it. It sounds excruciatingly manual. Well, so, it, it requires an investment in the right resources, right? So yeah. we decided to definitely make an investment in a, a, a global team that focuses on these partners at a global level and business development resources that are in our selling regions that can work with our sales organization and their sales, sales organization on execution. So there is an investment required to make this work. Right? Yeah. How do you justify, like, that, like any other initiative, it's an investment upfront before you get to the return. So, and, and this is, we've, we just said, is that it's a, it's a difficult, 
It's a difficult process and outcome to measure. So how do you go to your, let's say, go to your CFO and say, you know, I need, I need a bucket of money to go do something, but I can't tell you what it's going to produce yet. I can tell you what I hope it's going to produce and the metrics are going to be loose and fuzzy. So how does that story go? Um, I, I think it, it, so I don't think, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate in that we have a, a CEO and uh, an executive leadership team that's typically coming to me and saying, hey, why aren't you working with so-and-so? So we've got a yeah. very channel-savvy executive leadership team. Not everybody has that luxury, right? But when you have to turn around and do an ROI on that, I think it comes back to being selective. So if you're going to try to break into the uh, warehouse automation space or into industrial automation in manufacturing or into acute care in healthcare, it's about uh, doing the research up front and says the influencers in that space will, uh, are addressing this amount of the available market, and we think we can win this with them. So you, you, you tie it into incremental growth opportunities. Yeah. And, yeah. and by the way, just mentioning some of those use cases, I can tell everyone, having done some work with Zebra, I cannot tell you how exciting an opportunity yard automation management really is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a true specialization. Yeah, absolutely, and, Larry. It brings in so many things around location solutions, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, my point is, and I, you know, some people are going to think I'm being facetious, but I mean, these are the things, these are the use cases that Zebra brings out and they are very specialized and they, they may sound, they may sound mundane because whoever thinks about automating the processes or the, the, the flow of product around a Home Depot mm-hmm. um, or a Home Depot-like environment, but it's a useful function and it is highly specialized. And is that where your influencers, because it is so specialized, really play a significant role? Yeah, they do. If you take a look at the profile of our alliance partners and some of what you you use the word term specialization, we have specialization programs within our Partner Connect program for our systems integration resellers as well. But we are are approaching our alliance uh, relationships uh, based on those market opportunities. So not just, Mm. we're just not going to go sit down with uh, with, uh, you know, a price waterhouse and say, hey, let's just create a relationship together. No, let's focus it on supply chain optimization. So we try yeah. to be very focused in the approach. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to come back to this, though, is that when you're talking about managing and showing the outcome of this, it is a lot of hard work yeah. it, and it does take a lot of discipline. How do you instill that discipline within your organization to because you are dealing with a lot of fuzzy metrics here you're trying to capture activities and translate them into something that equates into uh, data and reporting where does that discipline come from um i think you have to build it into the dna of the company you know it it goes all the way down to compensation models right so you've got to make sure that the sales organization is equal equally rewarded for for any and all types of transactions into, into their accounts. But it, it comes down to the reporting and the planning process and the joint planning with those, those top partners. Uh, yeah, you just have to build it into the DNA. Bill, when you're looking at these influences, so some of them do require a little priming of the pump mm-hmm. that you have to, you know, it's more than just enabling them with information. It's also, as you said, maybe doing some joint development, maybe doing some joint marketing. 
how do you determine where do you place those investments and how do you how do those investments come about um you, you mean investments in terms of coverage larry or no in terms in terms of actually working with the partners like you know with the traditional reseller we would just give them some mdf and say oh here go do a golf tournament but with an influencer, it's a bit harder to actually show what you're good, what you're supposed to give and get. Well, so the alliance program that we built also includes a business planning process that allows us to do some joint uh, planning together. Not just on an uh, I'm not talking about just go to market planning. I'm talking about what is in it for both of us in this relationship. So what's the bi bilateral value? And what comes out of that is what do you need from us? And what do we need from you for this relationship to work? Now, to do that, you have to include uh, the sales leaders uh, in the regions that are going to be part of owning that relationship, because it doesn't help for us to sit down and have those bilateral discussions with an alliance partner and then throw it over the fence to a sales organization and say, here you go. This is a wonderful alliance partner. Go for it. They have to be very much part of that process up front. And one alliance partner might need training. They might need demo equipment. They, they might need software licenses. Another one might just need, uh, you know, help with branding and awareness. Uh, so it, it depends. We, we go with an inventory of assets and investments that we're willing to make with that partner up front, up to and including MDF, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Let's you know put a put a skeptical hat on for a moment and sitting in in a chair of one of your peers and they're listening to this and they're saying this all sounds well and good but it sounds like a lot of hard work and I'm still not clear on what I'm supposed to be able to say I got out of this. What mm -hmm. would you say to them in terms of developing an influencer program? It's hard work, <laughs> <laughs> and you know uh, most of the people that are listening to this are you know, have tremendous backgrounds and skills in two, you know, complex two-tier distribution channels and reseller channels of all kinds. And, you know, I'm one of those, and that was my comfort zone. Um, and I think the, what helped us get over the hump on this was our customers. And I'll go back to that because that's what I started with is when you sit down with your large customers and ask them who were the five people that they're going to rely on to make this decision, you'll be surprised at the answers you'll get, they're going to give you names that you never even thought of because you're at a certain point in a sales cycle with them and you think you know everything. There's different layers of that sales cycle influencing their final decision. And I'm talking about large scale opportunities. And if you ask that question, you'll realize that, my goodness, I don't even know or work with that influencer that they're relying on. Uh, and then you have to step back and say, well, if I really want to win more business like this, there's an ROI analysis and I, and I need to start hiring some talent to come in who's going to go influence, to your point, I'll use your words, Larry, influence those influencers to lead with our recommendation when they're comfortable. So, Bill, I hate to break this to you, but if you use my words, I charge royalty fees. <laughs> just, no just, yeah, but I, I look, I want to sum this up and say, you think it's worth it, though. It's yeah. not, this is not an experiment. This is something that is here and now and that we all should be looking at. Yeah, and I, what I would add to that, Larry, is but be selective. You know, it's selective on your customers, it's selective on your solutions, and it's selective based on what your priorities are for that next three years. So it's not a scorch the earth, go build an alliance program. It's step back and say, which alliances can we help 
and which ones can help us. Yeah. Very good. Bill, thanks for joining us in Changing Channels, everyone. Bill Cates, the VP of Marketing and Channels at Zebra Technologies. Thanks for joining us talking about influencers. Thanks, Larry. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of and Changing Channels is copyright by 2112 Enterprises, LLC.